There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, Stephen Diener hosted the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. All right, I think we're live. Welcome to Live from Spring Training, presented by Design Air Heating and Cooling. Tim McKernan, Dan McLaughlin with you. Dan, hello again, everybody. Hello, friends. How are you? <laughs> I saw Hello, Friends this weekend. If you want to go out to him and just say Hello, friends. I kind of did, but I feel like everybody would do that. <laughs> and then I saw Gary McCord, and I'm a fanboy of Gary McCord. I am, too. CBS. Are you really? I am, too. Yeah, I, I think CBS, I'm a big fan of... Of NBC's coverage. I love the Golf Channel. I have it on in my house like 24 7. That's what's been going on out here. Um, but I, I just, I think, you know, when you, when I watch golf, I just think Jim Nance. Yeah. He's my guy. And you he know? is the voice of usually uh, the biggest tournaments. Yeah. Uh, and he was on this one because NBC had the Olympics. So CBS right. had this call and it was pretty sweet. What an incredible tournament. I don't know if you I watched. Watch. I, well, I was, uh, I, of course, I was following you on Twitter with all your great updates. <laughs> So I, that's how I was able this to get it. It sounds like Caller Dan. I want to make it clear, not Caller Dan. There was no money more uh, scrap utility man today. No. Uh, to your dismay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I never missed an article. Um, but, I, yeah, I was watching it. I, I actually followed it uh, after we would we did all the games this weekend. So yes. it was really tough for us to, to follow it. But I did see, um, saw the ending of it. It was awesome. Oh, my God. Great ending. I, I, I get in my head sometimes that I'm, oh, I'm playing pretty well, and then I see a guy who's about my size in Tommy Fleetwood, and yeah. Fowler, and you, yeah. and they hit a three-wood 280 okay. yards to within 10 feet, and I go, okay, ridiculous. Well, that's ridiculous. I would have to go, you know, driver off the deck and like a, yeah. a, a pitching wedge to get there, and they're sticking 283 woods within 10 feet. Can I make a complaint? So, please. Right? That, that's, uh, what this, that's what this is about. So I, I just got here, and I, I wanted to be introduced to... Kim's uh, brand new baby. That's right, Jameson. And, uh, Jameson and lovely baby. Thank you so much. And uh, I went outside in the deck, met your in-laws. They were right. lovely people. But the only problem I had is I felt like now that I've been eaten by at least 25 mosquitoes. <laughs> and I had one of the babies. We, we need netting out there. Yeah. So we were talking and we were being so polite and there was like a bug doing nets around you. Yeah. And I felt like I, I wanted to reach over, but you were just meeting my in-laws. Why didn't you do it? Because I felt like if I started whacking it, if it was going on right now, I would go, yeah, but you were out there and you were engaged in that. And my, my father-in-law, oh, Dan, I'm a big fan. It was very you know, nice. He never said that about my show, for the record. But Does he listen? I, well, they, they're upstairs. I'm doing the show right here. I don't know if you can see it on the oh, yeah. periscope. The Comrex here. So I sit here and I talk to the cat and Doug and the, the plowboy. I know you're a big fan of his work. I know you're mad you're missing Larry Nichols' WWE preview right now. Exactly. So we're, we're, we're this is head to head. I mean, this, right. this is like Letterman and Leto. But uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is where I do the program, and I guess they they'll walk by and they'll hear the weird things. I don't read the text when right. the laws. I think that's the best way to handle the strategy. That's probably the best way to do that's it. That's the best way yeah. to handle it. We welcome you to submit your questions here on the Design Air Heating and Cooling. Uh, question and answer session live from spring training. We're on Facebook Live and we're on Periscope at Team McKernan Design Air Heating and Cooling. I'm a client and they have fixed our air conditioning in our brand new basement at home. Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. 
It's hard to stop a train. So when it gets warmer in St. Louis and you need that air conditioner fixed, please make sure that you do business with the Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. You're in a rare spot this week where the Cardinals are on a spring training road trip. We're in Palm Beach Gardens. The Cardinals are over on the other side of the state in Fort yeah. Myers. Yeah. Uh, so a rare spot for you where you kind of have three days and, and I kind of like it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why I like it. I, uh, well, many times, well, let me go back here. I like it sometimes when the team is not here because if you go to the complex like I did today, you can get one-on-one time with players that normally yeah, are getting yeah. inundated with requests and getting ready for games and that kind of thing. So today they're just getting their work in. So, for example, Alex Reyes was on the backfields just playing catch. I watched him throw. I watched Matt Carpenter run, which is a good sign. He's been dealing, obviously, with his bad back. Uh, I, I had a chance to visit with Jason Isringhausen for a while, long visit with Jason Mott. Um, and it's interesting because per Major League rules, and I, I can't remember, and I should know this, what exactly it is, but you have to send over a certain amount of Major League players I on the know. road. I didn't so know. even if it's across the state and a guy doesn't want to go because it's a three-hour bus ride, and then many times, especially pitchers, will drive themselves and then come back here, um, you can't do that. you got to have a certain number of Major League players and talent in the in the game and on the roster so that when fans go, they're seeing, quote-unquote, a Major League Baseball game. Oh. So that's why guys are kind of shipping back and forth over the next three days. So I was at the complex today, uh, got caught up with a lot of stuff that goes on over there with players that I'd like to visit with for our broadcasts, and then it gives you a little bit more time to – you know, get one-on-one, and there's just no pressure. So sometimes yeah. that's that's good during spring training. Yeah, and I saw that uh, that a few guys were up there today working out, and uh, Carpenter was one of the guys you mentioned. I, I would imagine you had a chance to talk to him. So what is his status at this moment? Well, what they're saying is, hey, Jameson. There, 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 goes, there, goes, there he goes. There he goes. <laughs> Have a good nap. Uh, wish I could be there. <laughs> uh, what he's saying right now, and, and this is was Mike Matheny talking about it over the weekend too, is that, this back issue has actually pushed him back in his schedule and trying to get work done. So mm-hmm. that's that's not good. The good part, though, is that the reports that they're getting back finally are, are positive, that he's making the most strides that he has uh, since he's gotten into camp. So that's good news. You know, the, I, I think you don't worry about it too much. Um, the, the one question would be, if this lingers in the next week and then the week after, and you're two weeks into games, then, yeah, I, I think, obviously, you get concerned because then – you have timing issues, you're trying to get up to speed, where are you with your swing, can you go back-to-back days with it, you know, all those things come into play. Uh, but at this point, you know, I, I have to remind myself, it's not even March yet. Right. You know, so I think, uh, thanks. Is that, is that a chat? I don't, I don't know if it was, but... That's uh, oh, cool. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Hello, Derek. How are things? Um, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not overly concerned, but, you know, like I said, this time next week, if it's different, uh, then you start yeah, to think about it. Yeah, a couple weeks into it. Yeah. At this point, uh, there, there are a few people who it sounds like are kind of catching people's attention, even though it is only a couple weeks in and four games into it. And I'm curious, you having been over there calling games over yeah. the weekend, if anybody has stood out to you just flashing or from in your conversations with the Cardinal front office or coaching yeah. staff or manager? I would say Adolis Garcia, and I've been mispronouncing it. That's on me. I said Adolis. It's Adolis, Adolis Garcia. Garcia. Yes. Uh, he has stood out. Now, I saw him a little bit at the tail end of spring training last year, and you saw, like, the tools. But he hadn't played in a while, and they were just kind of, you know, it's very tough. I mean, I think we forget how tough it is for 
players from the Dominican and certainly from Cuba when they come to the United States. It's not just, okay, I'm playing baseball. It's it's everything else. It's where mm-hmm. am I going to live and driving a car and le- trying to learn the language and going to get something to eat. So they were literally just trying to get him eased into yeah. the culture. Uh, well, he seems to be pretty eased in. Um, from what I've seen, he's been one of the best surprises. Not surprises, but one of the guys that's caught my eye in camp. Um, Oscar Mercado is another one that we've heard a lot about. Yeah. And he's a kid, Tim, that they had at uh, shortstop for a long time, and it's been about a, uh, a year and a half since he moved to outfield. He looks good. Um, I would also say Randy Arazarina is another one that uh, he's had a couple of throws that have been dazzling, and same with Garcia. They both have cannons for arms, and both have hit home runs. Um, These are all three outfielders. mm -hmm. So young guys that, you know, we've heard so much about the young pitching. They have a wave of outfielders coming, too, that could make, you never know, the end of spring training this year very interesting and certainly that shuttle between Memphis or even double-A to the big leagues, it, you, you might see those guys, you know what, coming up this year. Um, the other guy I loved watching was – got to turn this thing off. <laughs> I kind of like it. I, I put the it's most, like that Francesa fight we play I, where the thing just keeps beating the entire time. I, I, I kind of like it. Somebody gave me something. They, they, they had a uh, – they had a – they they wrote me a poem and I put emotional. Oh, I saw up. that. Yeah. Derek Gould wrote you a poem and then somehow Clay's got involved. Yeah. And I was I was in the mentions and I looked at my phone. I go, my God, there's a whole conversation going on. Clay's was from left field. I don't know where he was, but he's, he's jumping in too. So now it's off. So anyway, uh, Helsley is another one, a yeah. right-hander that you're you're. We'll hear about big power arm, um, and then Jordan Hicks is is a guy that you know everybody has been raving about, and I saw why the other day. I was like, yeah. I mean, even when the guns aren't on and the gun wasn't on at the stadium and we didn't have it on our telecast, you just watch and you see how it comes out of their hand, yeah. and then you see the hitter's reaction, and you go, oh, yeah, he's wow. that, that's the guy. He looked really good. That's, that's encouraging to hear. The thing that I think stood out, unfortunately, over the weekend is, of course, the negative. And it would be, if there was one start that I think people were kind of anxious to see, it was Michaels. Absolutely. And unfortunately, against the Astros yesterday, it did not go well. What no. uh, was your impression and anybody you spoke with impression, including him, on what took place? I, I have not had the chance to speak to him since. Um, we had Mike Maddox on during the game. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. I had the notes here. Because people were talking about how great of an he was the best in-game interview ever. That's what Frank Cusimano tweeted out. Thank you, Frank. Um, he, he was incredible. And, um, and we'll get into that. But the one thing that he said and then other people that I talked to, what they noticed with him was that he's got a very good curveball. And I talked to Ricky and Keel before the game, and, and he knew Miles growing up in this area. Rick was a little – ahead of him, and he had seen Miles before, and he said he's always had a really good curveball, and he's a big guy. I don't know if you've seen him. He's like 6'4", 6'5", probably 220, 230, and um, so he used to be kind of the guy that was max effort, throw, 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 and now he's trying to back off, which is what he did in Japan to get more movement, get more location. Well, what I saw yesterday, one was he couldn't put somebody away with two outs. There was something like four of the five runs scored against him came with two out base hits. I thought his curveball was really good. I thought his fastball, they were sitting on it. And and obviously that's something he's gotta he's gotta change that up next time out. So here's here's how I approach it. Was it disappointing? Yeah. Um, do I think it's early in spring? Yes. It's his first start, so let's pump the brakes. Mm-hmm. 
but let's see the adjustments that he makes. Where I would get concerned, and I don't know if it would be, I'm not in his mind, I don't know, but I'm just thinking out loud here when I was watching him, and Rick and I, we talked about it during the game. You know, here's a guy that went over to Japan for three years, and prior to that struggled in Major League Baseball, right? Mm -hmm. Goes over to Japan, all of a sudden he's just incredible. I think he was 38 and 13. Now you're back in the United States, you got a two-year deal over $15 million, and your first time out, you get rocked. What's what's going on up here mentally? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's got to creep in, and you know, you just say, okay, I, I am that guy. I can be a good pitcher. I know that, but I just wonder if it creeps in. It's just something to think about. Sure. You know, next start. Yeah, from a fan standpoint, this was the kind of the, where did this guy come from? Who is this guy? And so a lot of emphasis was placed on a two inning start. Right. In February, usually you kind of go, okay, who cares? Right. In this case, people go, I can't wait to see this guy. To a lesser extent, Flaherty on Friday. Um, along those lines, what did you think from Jack Flaherty? Because Carlos Martinez is quoted in the Post-Dispatch this morning raving about how improved he feels like he's seen Flaherty and both Luke Weaver. Yeah, I look at Flaherty um, kind of like what Weaver went through last year. And you may remember, I, those mosquitoes really got, they got you. They yeah, got they really put netting up there, I guess. Got a huge forehead, I get it. But, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I can let you borrow my cap, but trust me, this is worse under here. Here. This is <laughs> starting to welt up. Uh, so I look at it this way. So Luke Weaver comes up, right? And little success. Uh, and no, then, talking about like August of 16? I'm going two years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah, August 16 against the Cubs. Right. Go, then he goes back down, comes back, more success, kind of figures it out, right? And then he has that great seven, whatever it was, eight-game run last year. But yeah. you could see he was just way he carried himself, what he was doing. The, it was almost like, okay, the nerves are gone. I belong. Okay, let's, let's do what I know how to do. Mm -hmm. I look at the same thing with Jack Flaherty. Interesting. Comes up, gets his feet wet. Sometimes things go well, sometimes they don't. But you, you at least get the experience where where it feels like from guys I've talked to, your, your heart is racing. Everything is so fast at this level that it's just wow. Yeah. And now it just goes like this, right? Yeah, you slow yeah. down. You you get accustomed to it. You believe you should be here. That you believe you belong. And that's what I saw the other day. I, I saw a different guy, in total command of his own and total confidence in what he was throwing, which a lot of times what happens, guys just, they get away with it. It was It's kind of like this. I was talking the other day to a guy, and I said, you know, the difference I see with a pitcher in the minor leagues and a guy that gets to Major League Baseball, and here's the strike zone, and maybe it's an inch or two that they get away with yeah. in that strike zone yeah, in the yeah, minor yeah. leagues, but up here, it gets cranked, right? right? Yeah. Well, when you figure that out and you're able to, boom, 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 and sink and do different things and spot it, then all of a sudden you you you, you make it at this level. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I think will happen here with Jack Flaherty. I, I really do. I get the sense the organization is really high on Flaherty. Don't get me wrong. They're high on Hicks, Helsley, and Hudson, yeah. as we know, and, of course, Alex Reyes. But I get the sense that they're really high on Flaherty. Is that an accurate yes. portrayal? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I think they're going to give him every chance to – Crack the rotation and crack this uh, crack this team. I think what's really interesting, um, what what I've seen early on, is what could happen in the bullpen. There are guys that you would think are going to make this team, and and they may. I mean, we're still a month away, but because of their options, it gives the yeah. team options. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so it, it'll be interesting to see guys like Bud Norris and some of the others, Jason Mott, and others that they brought in, um, the the kind of leash that they give them to prove themselves. 
And they can always, you know, walk away from those deals too in mid midway of spring and not have to pay the full freight of what they've agreed to. But, um, you know, it's, it's just, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how all that plays out because those young arms are, are really, I, I would say rough and need to be polished a little bit, but man, that polishing is not, that far off. I mean, yeah. I think you're going to see those guys this year. That's pretty exciting to hear. And also, you mentioned the position players as well, and that wasn't something that was on the radar heading into camp. We welcome you to submit your questions uh, in the chat on Facebook Live is what we have open here, so you're welcome to do so. Uh, Dan, you're getting a lot of compliments. Now, Kent Hutchinson, you may not know this, is actually currently the Blues' third-string goaltender. You did a lot of Blues work. Is that him? That's that's Daddy Padre. Yes. Who calls into the show, and when the Blues were dealing with a netminder situation about two months ago, I think, maybe a month and a half ago, and the goalie from the minor leagues wasn't up here yet, Daddy Padre, who was a yes. caller into the show, was taking shots with the Blues on the ice before the game. That's awesome. Yes. And he is in here, and he says, Danny, you are the GOAT. Kent, uh, I love you. <laughs> You're a big Kent. I'm just a guy. Uh, Chris Lydon says, Danny Mack is the greatest. Love watching you grow as a broadcaster and turn into one of the greatest ever. Wow. Who's your favorite prospect that you ever saw in spring training that Ooh. didn't make the team? That's a good question. And that reminds me of something Ooh. I want to ask you about that I saw you tweet last week. I'm going to put it in my notes. Uh, Grab my pen. Man. Wow. Can I think that's about a, that? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question because it's like this guy's outstanding, but then he didn't wind up making the team. I would always yeah. hear because, I don't want to say it was a punchline, but Tyler Green was like a guy who would be incredible in February and March and in the minors, and they would call him up, and then it just never, never clicked. Yeah. He would be one of them. Yeah. I mean, he was he was everything that they said, like, like he could run, and he looked the part. And then they said, well, he's got a little power. And then you'd see him, like, just blast one, right? right. And then he'd, hit, he'd go deep in the hole, and he saw this arm, and it, but it just never clicked. You know, I think he played in fantasy camp this year with the guys. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he's retired down in this area, I believe, and uh, and here he is. So wow. let me uh, let me think about All right. that. That's a, t- that's a, t- that's a great question. I figured it was going to be the greatest prospect you saw who then wound up being a star, but then to go didn't make the team. And that reminded me of a tweet I saw you send last week, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is exactly what I was doing, too. Somebody tweeted at you, I guess they have a 16-year-old or something, right. and asked about getting into broadcasting. Yes, and you said there's not a class you can take. I or started you by can read. that's true. I started by calling wiffle ball games in South City, which is exactly what I yes. was doing too. Yes. Off of Vienna and Nottingham in South City. Yes. And you were doing it maybe like a half mile to the west, if I'm not right. mistaken. The really <laughs> tough part of town. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you were on the, the beautiful streets of South totally. City. Well, I like to make it sound like I came from, like, you know, Compton. <laughs> in reality, I grew up across from Francis Park. But either way, i gotta, I got to build that whole thing up. But that's the truth. I swear to you, and I tell my wife that. I said, she goes, so what would you do? I said, all we did, we played wiffle ball every day. Every day. And then we go to St. Gabriel's and play what we called fuzzball. Did that every day. ball and a court ball. Yes. Day. I can't tell you how many I've put up on the top of the roof in <laughs> St. Gabriel's. And then the other thing was, in the, uh, in the I bet this is really interesting. Oh, I like, I like, this is the kind of crap I like. But I didn't know that you were, I didn't know you were a wiffle ball guy as well. I had no, no idea. I did play wiffle ball. I, I, I mean, I knew about you starting out at Lindenwood. That's what I knew. But for real, for me, I feel like the ability to like recall things and just rattle crap off so quickly comes from doing it when I was like five or six. Yes. Uh, it was super weird, and I never thought about it until I saw your tweet. So I played college baseball, right? And I I was an okay player. I was 
five, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Help me put this through school. I was an awful player. <laughs> but I, my arm was so bad that it was perfect for wiffle ball. I would put, I was like Juan Marichal of wiffle ball. I couldn't, I couldn't throw hard enough, so I threw just hard enough that had some of the most wicked movement on a wiffle ball you've ever seen. I was dominant. Did you, did you, I had no idea about this. We did a wiffle ball tournament. I don't know if you knew about this, like three yes, years ago. I, I did okay, remember. Francis Francis yeah, thanks for the invite. I called home. Awesome. Oh. <laughs> so we had the winner of the tournament get to play Edmonds and Isringhausen. And Isringhausen, oh my God, so Isringhausen texts me and he goes, hey, can we cut the balls up? I go, are you going to doctor a wiffle ball? Oh, yeah. And he goes, well, that's what you do. And I go, really? So there's a group called the Lower, I'm not making this up, the Lower Arnold Wiffle Ball Association, a.k.a. LAWA. They won the tournament. <laughs> they get a chance to play Edmonds and Isringhausen. And, you know, we kind of envision it like they'll get killed by, you know, two, right. what we think, and we'll get into this momentarily, Cardinal Hall of Famers. And instead, Edmonds is standing in there. He can't catch up or hit anything. And so now Edmonds and Isringhausen are getting eaten up by these guys from the Lower Arnold Football Association. But that's because you can't hit that stuff. Well, I could see Jimmy, too, saying, I'm getting hot. <laughs> Timmy is an old guy. This is stupid. I want to get out of here. This is stupid. This is stupid. <laughs> by the way, did I ever tell you, uh, Caller Dan, I'm not sure if we referred to this the other day, that but when he oh, called, and there are a lot of fans of his. I want you to know that, even though I know you have no relation. I have no idea who he is, but again, just a hot taker. And uh, <laughs> he called into the radio show, and Jimmy was on, and Lou Brock, of all people, was getting ready to join the show. And apparently, caller Dan did ask Jimmy if it was going to be MLB mandated next season that outfielders wear helmets to protect their teeth, so you'd have a face mask, a football helmet. <laughs> And he answered it. <laughs> that was the best part. I don't know if he would be in on the the inside of the whole thing. Clearly he, he was not on that one. Now I know I know nothing. We need to get Buck the audio archive. Oh, God bless number 15. Uh, I was making reference to it. I wanted to obviously down. Well, I could. I got on the Fox Sports Go app. But I was not watching because I was over at the Honda Classic. But Mike Maddox, Frank Cusimani made reference. He said it was the greatest in-game interview. Um, the, card, the new Cardinal pitching coach. Yeah. What with you guys yesterday, and what made that so good? Because usually well, those things are can be awkward. I mean, I know you don't do them that often, but this is the first one we've done with the Cardinals. So a little insight here. Yeah. Um, so per the new agreement with Fox Sports Midwest, one of the things that we asked with the club was to have a little bit more access in terms of, especially in spring training, and especially when you get sixth, seventh, and eighth. Innings, and this is no disrespect to any player that's out there. They're the best in the world at what they do. Some are a little better than others. That would be your major leaguers. So when your minor leaguers are coming in the game, yeah, and we're talking about them, and, and still it's interesting. I, I love watching minor league players play. Not everybody does. So we said, you know, can we can we throw a headset on guys? You know, can we maybe Mike wants to do it? Can we get Mike Maddox? Can we get uh, Willie McGee? You know, I'm sure we'll get him before spring training is through. Or if a Hall of Famer's around, you know, do that. Or or, or what's really cool, I think, is uh, a pitcher that comes out of a game, and if he's had success, throw a headset on him and just find out what was working for you today. What did you see? Or what happened in this at bat? So the Cardinals acquiesced, and they agreed and said, let's do it. So our first guy we thought would be interesting would be Mike Maddox. And uh, we throw the headset on him, and I talked to Mike uh, a, a little bit here in camp, and uh, I just felt he was really open and honest during – the, the discussion. So when I said, what did you see out of Miles Michaelis? He said, well, hey, first spring training start, but I went over to him and I asked him 
what do you think you did? He started saying the questions that he was answering or asking Michaelis and what he answered and said, okay, well, now you know what to work on for your next start. Mm -hmm. We don't need to belabor the point. This is what we're, you know what you need to work on, you know. So then uh, I had said something effective, you know, I I think Yachty is a potential Hall of Famer. And Mike said, no, he is a Hall of Famer right now. And this is what he's meant to our team so far. And this is what it's like working with him. Um, and, and I thought it was incredibly interesting because Ponce de Leon was in the game yeah. and I asked him about wearing the, the protective gear. Would you advise guys to do that? And he said, well, it's up to each guy, but I would think that it's something that you have to look into. And it was, it was just a poignant moment because you had Ponce on, on the mound right. and here he is first time back after nearly dying and what he had told him, you know, going into, to going on the mound and what, just trying to walk him through it mentally and, and. I just found it really interesting, yeah. you know, and I, I thought he was, and that's just some of it. When he talked about his pitching philosophy, what he looks at with sabermetrics, uh, the eye test. Um, I asked about Alex Reyes coming back, and I, I said, look, I'm not asking you to to get into his um, medical history and where you think he's going to fit, but in a general sense, where do you think guys that come off of Tommy John um, where do they fit in terms of coming back? Bullpen guys, relievers, uh, setup man, closer, starters. And he said, you know, generally speaking, not with Alex, but generally speaking, it's better to have a set schedule, which hmm. I read into that as meaning, well, that means you could be a, a starter. You yeah, know, you yeah, come yeah. back, you can plan out every five days. Uh, you have some built-in off days in the schedule. You could do those kind of things. Um, and, and certainly if he relieves, it looks like it would be, we're going to treat it with kid gloves. Like, hey, you're hot today. If we get you up, you're coming in. You're not going to get up and sit down and get up and sit right. down, you know, and then maybe off the next day and the next day and then come back. To, you know, I'm just saying, speaking from reading into what he was saying. Right. So those are some of the things I think that you could look for with Alex Reyes coming back. That's interesting. And that's yeah. great that there's somebody that you can go to and have that kind of rapport with during the broadcast. Fans find that stuff super enlightening, fascinating, and like you said, you're right, During a, you're calling a, a game, and granted, it's a major league team, but at that point in the season, yes. inning, oftentimes, the major leaguers have made they're their playing, way out. They're, they're probably playing golf. With you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, so on Saturday, Chris, I'm sitting with Chris Raby and Anna Marie, and there's Dexter Fowler walking inside the ropes <laughs> with that old Tiger Woods, <laughs> and so Raby stands up and goes, Dexter! And Fowler turns on and waves But he was so excited to be following Tiger Woods around the course, and there he was. Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, I think, you know, here's something. I, I had somebody on Twitter, and I'm trying to get more interactive on Twitter. Um, you're, you're as active as the day is long on Twitter. Well, I, but sometimes I mean, hashtag I, scoops is sometimes trending in St. Louis. That's, to me, that's hilarious. <laughs> By the way, people don't – I still get people that ask me what hashtag scoops – Set the makes. record straight. I kind of like the mystery. <laughs> Maybe someday I will. It'll, it'll, it'll be a big announcement. But let's, let, let me put it to you this way. When I have a scoop, it probably means I have a little dish of information I might be bringing you. And a lot of times I would say 98% of the things I put on Twitter – Aren't really scoops, but yet I beat everybody to the punch. So there you go. It's hashtag Professional scoops. athletes have gathered for competition. Oh, my. Jimmy, I'm proud of you. My goodness uh, has made its way on there. Uh, the rights holder shuffle is a, right. a, a personal favorite. It brings me back to the late, great Joe Scott. Absolutely. And uh, I, would put, I would put his name on it, and somebody would hit a bomb, you know, and I – 
And I say, I'd be shuffling right shoulder style. This would send it to Joe Strauss, and he would burn. You know, this is terrible. But anyway, so on Twitter, I am trying to get more interactive on it, though. Now, like interacting like with people who are asking you questions. Yeah, so that's tweet more. So, okay, so that brings me to my point. All right, am I doing Facebook Live right, or am I not answering questions? No, this questions? is great. This okay. is, well, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's not looking in there. I'm okay. just listening to you. I'm kind of fascinated. What's, what so, are you doing here? What well, do you got? What well do you got? Some, some guy was coming at me, and he's saying, you know, uh, Dexter Fowler and others, and it was because Dexter was at the Honda Classic. Oh, somebody was legitimately upset about it. Yeah, you know, I, I did. A, I did a satirical take on that. Yes, and, and they I, were. There was a real person who was upset. And, and I get it. They're fans, and fans have different takes on stuff. But just to set the record straight, is that you know a lot of times guys don't go on the trips, and when they don't go on the trips, they'll go uh, to the clubhouse and maybe go hit and work out, and it's a shorter day for them, and they will be on the golf course. They're not expected to be at the game. And if you did have everybody that's still in camp right now at the game, there wouldn't be enough room in the dugout or the bullpen. So it's okay. Guys do miss days. They get breaks, and that's it's all right. That is for the record. Yes. That is that is because yeah, there we saw Dexter, and I'm like, oh, the Cardinals are in Port St. Lucie, but obviously he didn't make the trip. Right. And I would imagine he is – I can't – is he over in uh, – on the golf side of this week? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I know I, that, uh, well, you know what, though? He, I, I would imagine, like, for instance, I talked to Jason Mott uh, today, and I asked him, I said, are you going over there? And he said, yeah. He said, I'm going to, I think either today's Monday, I think maybe Wednesday he's going to pitch there. Um, they're in the Sarasota against the Orioles on Wednesday, I think? I think so, yeah. yeah. Boston maybe tomorrow. tomorrow after yeah, Myers. and Minnesota was today. So, you know, uh, especially for pitchers, they do have to go because they've got to go. Um, get over there and get yeah. their work in and stay on a schedule and keep trying to build up innings. Yeah. You, your interview, you mentioned Mod, and I saw you, what you, uh, you've you been doing. It's, a, it's great stuff. Uh, at Danny Mac TV on Twitter, for those of you, whatever you, you wouldn't be following, but uh, there it is. The interviews you're doing, both with Mott and Isringhausen, uh, Mott has always been, even when he was the closer, closing out the World Series, just like a really yeah. just like good downer, kind of yeah. like a hockey player yes. kind of guy reminds me of. Right. And you uh, have been putting up clips of these interviews, and it's really good stuff, video clips. Uh, and you were talking with Mott about his foundation. Right. And he is so – this isn't just like, oh, I'm going to do a charity because my agent says it'll be good for my next deal in PR. He is so invested in this and has been yes. for years. Well, I, I think what I'm going to do, um, and it's not to embarrass him, but it's to – show what it truly means to him. Uh, in the interview today, he cried. He was crying. And he was talking about uh, particular children that, because I, I asked him the question, how did it all start? And so he started talking about some of the children that have been affected uh, by cancer, some that have not survived, others that have. And if you ever watch him pitch, he actually has about six bands, seven bands on right now for, for different kids that have given him those bands, and he actually carries from one of the, the, the kids that passed away uh, a piece of jewelry that the kid gave him, and he actually showed me on his chain what he had. Um, it, it's very deep to, for him. It, it started because his wife's family had a, a family member that was affected by cancer. They would go visit. He said at the, the hospital, the nurses, the doctors, everybody, the police that were there, anybody that was there, really took care of that family. And he said, okay, we got to find a way to give back. And I'm kind of just paraphrasing quickly. Yeah. But through that, he has met a lot of kids. And he said it was really interesting today that some of the guys in the clubhouse that he didn't know were wearing the K cancer shirts. 
that's started by him. Yes, I remember that. And, and so a couple of the guys actually came to him and said, I had no idea that you're the reason that these oh. shirts exist. And so it's, it's really spread all over the place with baseball. And he, when he went to Chicago, he was very close with John Lester, who battled non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and Anthony Rizzo. Both have survived that, and both were in the Boston organization. And, you know, the story goes on and on and on. But it's, it's, it's a neat story, and I, I hope he makes it. I hope that and, – and even if he doesn't, he lives in Memphis full-time, and so that's one of the reasons why he picked St. Louis. So, hey, if, if he doesn't make the cut and they say, hey, go down, keep your arm in shape, and keep, keep it going, there will be other teams or the Cardinals that may need you, he'll go to Memphis and, and uh, be able to live at home. He's got two little kids. But it's a neat story, and I probably will put that clip out on uh, Twitter so people can see it. And if you see the clip that's on Twitter right now, you'll see his eyes are very yeah. red. It's not from being tired or right. worn out. I mean, he was very emotional in talking about it, and he's a neat guy. So half the interview was about – we went about 35, 40 minutes. Um, half the interview was about his time in St. Louis, making the transition from being a catcher that couldn't hit to a pitcher – and then uh, the World Series, Bruce Souter, his son, who's two years old, is named Souter after Bruce. Oh, and those two I did have, not know that. Yeah, really? and the wives have become very close. And uh, he actually, uh, this is really cool. I get goosebumps thinking about it. If you're a Cardinal fan, you love this stuff. So Bruce was in town during the 2011 World Series, and he requested that Jason Mott catch his ceremonial first pitch. And when he gave him the ball, he signed the ball to him, and he gave him the ball, and he said, you're going to close out the World Series, and by the way, don't screw it up, for lack of a better term, right. <laughs> and do it with a strikeout. And he said, and of course, the final out was done with a catch. Yeah, a fly ball in the left. Right, and if you remember, game six, Hamilton was the one that hit a bomb off yes, the box. Yeah. So now he's off the hook. He gets the game seven. He said one of the first people he heard from was Bruce Souter, and he said, not congratulations, way to go, as you screwed it up. You should have, you should have ended it with a strikeout. So it's, it, those two have become very close, and it's very cool. I had no idea they named his son after Bruce yep. Suter. That is super cool. Yeah. The other one that's great, and I just saw you posted it maybe about an hour ago, is your interview with Jason Isringhausen, uh, who I was aware from a conversation with him, is passionate about the Cardinal Hall of Fame, but it was yes. never something that was done on camera or on the radio, and in your clip, he talks about that. So yeah. For those who haven't seen it, what do you have with that? Well, uh, the interview was really interesting. I didn't know that, and maybe you did, but he was on the golf course when he decided to come to St. Louis, and it was a direct call from Bill DeWitt. So we're talking about going back to the offseason. 2001? Yeah, 2001 okay. going into two. Uh, because we were just talking about being a hometown guy and coming back and playing for your hometown, and if you would have reservations about doing it and there's you know, a lot of requests. I mean, even being a hometown broadcaster, there's a lot of people that, you know, you get requests from, which is great. And But from a player's perspective, I'm sure it's tiring, yeah. and, you know, whatever. And he had told me, he said, uh, Bill DeWitt called him. He had agreed in principle basically to a, a deal with Texas. And he had two sisters living with uh, in Texas, so that's why he wanted to go to the Rangers. And Bill DeWitt called him and said, what's it going to take to make you a member of the St. Louis Cardinals? What will I have to pay you? And he gave him whatever number it was, and he said, done. He said, you're, if, if you're agreeing to this, I'll get the proper paperwork in order, and we'll, we'll take care of it. Just like this, so it was a direct call? Yes, wow. from Bill DeWitt. And so Izzy's like, uh-oh. He said, it, he said it just like that. He's like, oh, my God, what, what am I supposed to do now? I had an agreement in principle, basically. And so they, he had to call Texas and tell them what had transpired. 
and the rest is history. He becomes the all-time Saints leader in Cardinals history. So in the clip that I posted on Twitter, I thought it was really interesting. He said it would be more meaningful. It would be uh, just much more meaning to him and his family to wear a Cardinal red jacket and go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame than it would the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And, and that is an unbelievable statement. Yeah, yeah, he was really passionate about, you know, not just the Cardinal Hall of Fame, which I think he will get in someday soon, but also the fact that he gets to come down here and be on the fantasy camp roster with Whitey Herzog. So, you know, right. and it just, he goes, he can't, I can't believe that that's the case. And here's a guy who's the all-time save leader. He still has that appreciation. So here's the deal. So Ozzie was my favorite player growing up. I told Ozzie, I have been on a stage where I said, not only is it great to uh, meet your favorite player, but then the guy lives up to the expectations, uh, you know, hugs and blah, blah. And Izzy's like, yeah, well, Ozzy and Willie are my favorite players. And I said, well, obviously you told him that, right? No, I'm not going to tell him that. <laughs> I said, why? He said, I'm nervous. I don't like to do that. I'm nervous. I said, shut up and go tell him. I said, they would appreciate it. He goes, well, I, I've kind of animated it a little bit to Willie, but I can't do it to Ozzy. <laughs> I love Izzy. He's the absolute best. Oh, God bless. That's all. I didn't know that he, uh, that he was that. I was a Vince Coleman guy myself. I mean, Vince was going to have a chance to go in the Cardinal Hall of Fame, too. Oh. I mean, it was so great. That was the yes. best. I would stare at first base when he was on as opposed to absolutely because you just knew he was going. It right. Was a, I loved that. It was I instant offense. That. It was a walk turned into a double, maybe a triple. And that, that era, I mean, with Willie, I, I still think one of the greatest things to watch as a Cardinal fan is Willie with a triple or Willie going first to Because third. of the angle, the way the angle. he would run. Yes. The helmet. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. This is great stuff. I didn't even thought about that. That's exactly right. I love he it. He would run it like, like a 45-degree yes. angle somehow. Yes. And then slide in with a perfect slide, and the helmet was off. Oh, yes. God bless America. I mean, uh, YouTubing thing. I love it. I mean, Willie's like one of yeah. my all-time oh, favorites. Oh, yeah, man. Not just like players, but people. Oh, he's the and, best. Uh, the players, it's really interesting. Um I did a, a long thing with Willie the other day, too, uh, interviewed him, and then we talked afterwards, and he said, you know, Dan, you know, and he kind of, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where I'm supposed to be and how to do it, yeah. and, you know, Kendo's out there, and he's in your face, but, you know, I'm not really like that, I, 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 I got to pick and choose my spots, you know, and, and the, the players just love him, everybody yeah. loves Willie, it's hard not to. Just love the guy. Seems like they got a really nice coaching staff. I mean, not that there's a difference. Sure. Work, yeah, I would imagine there. I mean, right off the bat, you can name three that we were just discussing. I, I'm seeing it, and in talking with people like players and uh, other coaches, they're feeling it too. It's a very upbeat, and it's not to say the others weren't. It's just a very vibrant, upbeat, good group. Yeah. And it seems like they're they're getting a lot of things done that they want to get done, want to get accomplished, and. You know, the proof would be in the pudding when they get on the field. But, it, you know, I, I just think Okendo in particular is the best of what he does. Yeah. And, and, I mean, the fans see it when he's a third-base coach, right? And he makes a decision to send the guy or not, and it's the right decision. You go, okay, that's a good coaching move. What they don't see is what he's doing at 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game. And he understands, and this is what people don't get either, he knows Molina so well and vice versa, and he knows the league so well. So follow along with me. So he's watching his pitcher, and he's seeing his tendencies. And then he knows how they're going to approach a player, right? He knows how Yachty is setting a guy up, too. With that, taking a educated guess on certain things, he'll tell Colt Wong, you need to step a two, maybe three to your right. 
Uh, and sure enough, ball's hit right to him, or he'll make that play with just a step to go that he wouldn't have gotten if he, if he stayed there. His eye towards detail is, is second to none, I'm telling you. It's incredible. Of every single pitch, every one, he's got a guy moving a little bit left, a little, little bit right, maybe going back to the original spot, whatever. He's incredible. And then when it comes to just the fundamentals of the game and turning double plays and you know what you do as a shortstop, how you feel. The other day before the game, he was working with Jose Martinez on his beliefs and how you hold a brand, uh, runner on, how you get off the bat, all those things. I mean, it's just incredible, his attention to detail. The players absolutely are so thrilled that he's uh, he's back with the camp. My wife has just returned. You never know. You never know what's going on behind the camera here. It could be my son. It could be my wife. The studios are just our house. It's pretty good. I kind of like, like the setup. I do the radio show here. I do the TV thing here. Hey, uh, submit your questions. I'll make sure that we get to some questions here. Set them on the Facebook Live. Uh, you can watch, of course, on Periscope, on Twitter, if you're not on Facebook or on Facebook Live, and we will go through some of the questions here uh, for the Design Air Heating and Cooling Live from Spring Training Show. Usually Dan and I are on Thursdays, but this week we're doing Monday. And then Derek Google, he's back from the Gulf side, will be with us on Thursday. Triad Bank is one of our sponsors as well here on the program. I am a customer of Triad Bank. And my brother, who is the owner of the Improv Shop, I don't know if anybody's been down there, but uh, he uh, does business with Triad Bank as well. Online at triadbanking.com. I know the bank's CEO very well, Jim Regnan, Tom Anstey, very good people. That's who we have done business with, and that's who we recommend to you. If you're looking for a bank, for a line of credit, or for a home, it is triadbanking.com. Triad Bank, a great sponsor here of our live from spring training Q&A. Tim McCurdy, Dan McLaughlin with you. Hey there, Dan, just joined in on the show. Long-time listener, first-time caller. What is your favorite minor leaguer to make a big impact in the major league lineup this season? In other words, your projection mm. for who you think is going to be making a big impact in the lineup. That comes from Greg Roth. I'll go uh, Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks. Yeah. Yeah, that's a guy that people have been talking about a little bit there. Big arm, you know, maybe some seasoning in the minor leagues. Uh, and, you know, you're working on location. And I think we talked about this last time. I equate what, what they have going on right now with their young arms very much to what they had. And I'm not saying it's going to play out like this for sure, but I, 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 I could see it doing this. Segrist, Rosenthal, Carlos Martinez, uh, uh, a loose mental date in mind when they know those guys could be ready. And I'm talking about like Helsley, uh, Hicks. Uh, Dakota Hudson, yeah. you know, some of the others that these guys would have a chance to impact the bullpen. And the way that the, the game is going today, your starters just aren't going all that deep. So to have depth on your roster yeah. as a bullpen guy, you know, maybe at the shuttle from Memphis, I, I don't, that could happen. And, uh, and that's why it's so important to have depth with those guys. And they're power arms, they're big arms, and at some point, they, I think any one of those guys could come up and make a difference. You made reference to the way the game is going right now. Do you think this is a fad, or do you think that this is what we're going to be seeing 10 years from now, where you're asking your starters to go five, maybe five plus, but that's about it? And in, in other words, the days of going for the complete game shutouts with your aces or, or a thing of the past? This is me personal. Uh, personally, I don't see how you can survive 162 games with the formula that is used in the playoffs. I, I don't see how that could work because then then you're talking about, Tim, having guys, multiple guys at 70-plus appearances. 
you're just going to get burned out. You know, I, I think it's just too much on that arm. It's you're asking way too much of that individual. You know, a lefty that comes in that that's not throwing 95 miles an hour, and I think that's another part of the equation. Yeah, maybe I, I can see that the Randy Choates, the Steve Kleins, you know, those kind of guys. But a lot of these guys that come up are max effort pitchers. So max effort being and it's not foreign anymore. This is the norm to throw 95-plus. Yeah. So they come up, and they're throwing 95-plus. I just don't think the body at this point is is ready for those kind of guys to go 70 appearances. Yeah. I, I just can't yeah. see it. I, I don't think that that is sustainable for regular season. Now, come postseason play, yes. And this is where it gets interesting with the young guys. You know, you, you can bring those young guys up, and you think about how they – they go about their business being power arms. The league hasn't seen them either. Mm-hmm. And that's another factor. You know, mm-hmm. they, a lot of guys, they, they like to see them. And, and if they don't see them, they, they've got the advantage. Yeah. And that's something else to consider late in the season. That is interesting. I mean, one of the most random bullpens that you can imagine, no disrespect to the arms, were the 06 World Champion Cardinals. I right. Mean, like a, I mean, by default, Israel Nelson, we were talking about, gets hurt. And then you had, like, Josh Kinney, Tyler Lyons. Tyler Lyons. It wasn't Tyler Lyons. It was like Tyler, uh, Lyons Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Johnson. Yeah, Tyler Johnson. Um, you had Josh Kenny. You had Wainwright. Wainwright. Um, and that became uh, Randy Flores. Flores. Big. Randy Flores won Game 7 of the NLCS. People forget that. He was the game winner. Um, but it all came together at the right time. And with Wainwright being the one that was the anchor, so to speak, I felt bad, by the way, talking about this. Adam Wainwright is a wonderful, wonderful guy. So this is not a shot at Adam Wainwright whatsoever. I felt bad for Jason Isringhausen today. I asked him the question. I said, is it tough when you reflect on your career, you were not the guy that closed that game out? And he said, yes, it was. And I don't wear my World Series ring, and I'll never wear it. Wow. Yep. I figured it would be tough, but I didn't know the World Series ring story. And I said, come on. you got to wear she the ring. part of the team. For Absolutely. You're a big part of the team. You're a big part of the way they got there. And he said, well, I just didn't feel like I contributed in the, in the end, so I don't wear it. Oh, my God. I yeah. didn't know that. How about that? Yeah, that's really surprising because a lot of those guys at the time said, Izzy's like our coach in, in the bullpen. Right. You know, and that's the He's a, that he was doing. an unbelievable teammate. Yeah. I mean, guys loved him, yeah. and they still do. Yeah, he will be a Cardinal Hall of Famer. Let me go in through here the, uh, the chat. Hey, there's Ryan Kelly online at thehomeloanexpert.com. That Ryan Kelly says, looking good, boys. Uh, let's see. Uh, let me go. There's a bunch of them in here. I haven't been doing a good job. What are both of your thoughts on the chance of the Cardinals looking outside of the organization for a hard-throwing left-handed reliever before the season starts? That's from Brian Horrell. I think I'm pronouncing that properly. I apologize. I'm not Brian. I would be surprised I don't, do. I, I don't. I, I feel like they're really now. Now, whether you are sold on Tyler Lyons, who I mistakenly put on the 2016 a few minutes ago, or not, I feel like the Cardinals are very high on Tyler Lyons. No doubt. And so there would be no reason why they would do that. Plus, they have depth with Ryan Sheriff. Ryan Sheriff came up at the end of last year. You may recall was very good. I do think. I know it was a tough season on him, uh, and the Cardinals really believe this that Brett Cecil is going to be a lot better. This year, and if you look at Cecil's numbers, yeah, they're not great, uh, but they're not awful either. Last year, he had a time period there where he was pretty good, but the problem was he got off to such a poor start. For any reliever, it's so hard to bring down those numbers right. because you're limited in your opportunities for innings to bring down an ERA that starts at 23. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think those three, I don't see them going outside the organization for anything, and. Uh, 
concerning a lefty. I think that those three are the guys that they'll they'll look at. Yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised on that one specifically. Let me see what we got in here. I want to make sure I get as many questions in. Do you think the team? This is an interesting question. Do you think the team will take on Tommy Pham's personality this year? I'm going to. I'm just going to get in there and I'd say no. I would be surprised. I think Tommy Pham's kind of his own his own guy. I like it, but I don't think the team will take on that personality. What do you? Well, I, I look at it this way. He is his own man. Now, I can tell you this. They have gone to him specifically and Paul DeYoung, but especially Tommy Pham, and said, pump the brakes just a little bit. You have made this team. So let's worry about March 28th or 29th or whatever it is, and then the six months after that. Stay healthy. Uh, do what you have to do. We don't want you to change who you are. But understand, you've made the team. So get ready for the long haul. Where this time last year, I said it on the air, spring training, his his career was at a crossroads because of his age and where he was. Well, now that's a different story. That That's right. that's done. Um, Tommy Pham, and I made the point, uh, I guess it was the game yesterday. He, ground, he hit a home run. Uh, he was hit by a pitch, and then he grounded out. And I'm telling you, Tim, there was nobody – I guarantee there's been nobody in Major League Baseball in spring training. I don't care if you're a minor leaguer or major leaguer that hustled as hard as he did down the line. I, I Maybe call me old school. I don't care. I love it. Oh, I do love that stuff too. And fans yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. And the coaching staff appreciate Especially it. Especially doing it in February. Yes. <laughs> yes. And for a guy, I like it in July, a guy that just did 2020 yeah. and is a starting center fielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he's the guy that I'm noticing busting his – Rear yeah, end, yeah, yeah. down the line. Um, so to answer the question, do I think they'll take on his personality? Uh, I think some guys might. I, I think what will happen, though, is that his leadership, while it can be vocal, is more of a, a follow-the-leader type thing with, look at how that guy's going about right, it. I know you're saying. And if that guy's doing it, then I need to be picking it up, too. You know. And, and here's the thing. Coaches and managers will tell you, they don't need you going 100% down the line, especially if you are, you know, you got a tweak in your leg and you don't want to make public. But as long as you go to the manager and say, look, I'm 75%, but I'm going to play because I know we need my bat or my defense or whatever, but you may not see me busting it. Right. Like, they'll put up with that. Tommy Pham, I can't remember one time last year where I said, man, maybe he's hurt a little bit or he's not busting it. It's 100%, yeah. and I appreciate that. Yeah, he had that uh, treadmill that he was working on to get faster this offseason. He was sending out those tweets. That thing was sick. His uniform, actually, to my understanding, and, well, I saw it, He was we were doing a photo shoot kind of thing and a commercial stuff, and he's like, man, this uniform's big on me. It doesn't fit me anymore. He actually has gotten in better shape. Really? And he is pretty much ripped up anyway. Really? Yeah. God so he's gotten him. in really, really good shape. He's not resting on the laurels. That is uh, good to hear. Bunch more questions coming in. They're coming in. They're coming in fast and furious. Uh, I, I was going to ask you about uh, the Blues here. Um, I know you're a big Blues guy. Yes. Uh, and, uh, it's, I mean, two weeks ago. I'm shocked at what's happened. Two weeks ago, they're up on, in Nashville, you're like, oh, my God. They're, they're fresh. Yeah. They had lost Sunday afternoon at home, like Sunday morning, actually, to the Penguins. But they had one in Winnipeg. Then they're on the road winning in Nashville, like, I think it was 3 nothing in the yeah. third period with 10 minutes left. With a power play. And then, I mean, just like that, the season well, turns. That's that's the turning point, isn't it, right now, yeah. the season? I, I, I'm not as in tune with it as I once was when I was with the team, and um, I really enjoyed my time with the Blues. It was 
God, it was fun. It was a, a lot of fun, and the players were great. The players are so they're, they're just fantastic. Yeah. And I, I saw your uh, podcast or listened to your podcast with Walter. Keith Kachuk. And There's one. There's a good one. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Never say Keith Kachuk. Uh, I can talk to you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an absolute free-for-all. So <laughs> I, I'm, on a, I'm in a restaurant, so Kachuk has probably been retired, what do you think, eight years maybe? 2010 was his last year. Okay, so eight good. years. Yeah. So I'm doing the blues in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, mid, late 2000s, whatever. I'm in a restaurant, and he's at the bar, and I uh, bought him a, a beverage, an adult beverage. <clears throat> and uh, he came over to me, and he grabbed me by the back of the neck, and he said to me, don't you ever do that again. I said, I'm just trying to be, because I loved him. Like, yeah, I got along with yeah. him so well. Who didn't, right? Yeah, I mean, something else. And I said, Really? And he's, and he's, like, hard on my neck. And he's like, Danny, you know, that Boston <laughs> accent, don't you ever do it again. You know, like, those things, don't ever do that again. And I said, I said, what's your problem? I didn't know what was going on. He goes, do you know how much money I make and I've made? I buy the drinks around here. Don't you ever do that. God bless Walter. He is something else. I do love that guy. I was playing golf in front of him, uh, I guess, in September. And A, I was wearing pants, and it was hotter than hell. And I always just jokingly wear pants saying it shaves strokes off my game, which, of course, it's not. <laughs> and B, as it turns out, Walt likes to play in about two and a half hours. He's oh, yeah. known for this. Right. Quit taking all the practice swings, dirtbag. Let's go. <laughs> and I happen to be playing with Marcus Allen. And so Marcus Allen doesn't know Kachuk. Kachuk doesn't know Marcus Allen. Right. Marcus Allen says, who's the guy back there yelling at right. Like, well, he's in the Hall of Fame. You're in the Hall of right. Fame. I'll introduce you afterwards. Did they meet? They did meet afterwards. Hey Marcus, how you doing? I'm Walt. Sorry, I was I wasn't you. I was dirt bag over here. I got a problem. Yeah. All these practice swings. You're shooting 95. Typical Walter. Yeah, typical Walter. Top back end of bullpen candidates. Is it really Gregerson's job to lose? Matheny's been. It sounds like he's encouraging competition. Now I don't know if that's real or that's a message being sent. What do you think? I, I think they let it play out. I, I do. I, I think. Uh, Who do you think's in the mix? Gregerson certainly would be in the mix. Uh, I think Bud Norris is going to be in the mix before it's all said and done. Even though they're, they're stretching him out to kind of be a guy that could maybe start if he needed him. He could be a long man. He could be a middle reliever. He could be a setup guy. Um, but I, I do think, um, I do think that uh, those are the two guys that I would look at right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, How do you the two guys from Toronto? I saw Green got hit hard today. We both didn't see the game over in Fort Myers against Minnesota and, and Leon. Leon. Yeah, I'm curious. I have not seen Leon yet. yet. Yeah, I haven't seen him yet. I did see Green the other day. Big, big, big arm. Big arm. Big arm. Yeah. I mean, throws really hard, but still, I think he's still trying to figure things out. Right, right, yeah. right. But those would be the two guys, I think. And, you know, the other guy, too, is that maybe you go mix and match, but um, the other guy, too, that I would throw in the mix would be Tyler Lyons. Interesting. Because if you have lefties coming up, certainly he would be the guy that you want in the game anyway. Um, in the ninth. And and the other thing is that his stuff plays to both sides. I mean, he's got nasty stuff. Um, I think he would be in the mix, too. So maybe you go with a, you know, you don't call a committee, but you just say when the opportunity is coming up for certain situations, we're going with different guys. It's interesting to bring that up. The Cat on the Cat Chat podcast uh, did interview John Mazzella before he headed back to St. Louis, and it was interesting. The Cat always does, as you've been a guest on the Cat yes. Chat podcast, Award-winning catch at Pod. Sure it is. He always <laughs> he always asks the interviewee for a, a review, a grade on how he performed. And he oh, did, yeah. he did this. It's all about Jimmy, though. <laughs> that's the morning after. It's all about us. 
So he asks Mazalak this in an interview he just did, I guess, like a week and a half. He goes, well, it was good, but I wish he would have asked some questions about our depth and some of the nuance of the bullpen as opposed to some of the other questions you asked. And I'm like, oh, this is good stuff. But then Mazzella, in, in kind of giving the cat trouble, yeah. actually gave some insight into his perspective on the bullpen. And his perspective on the bullpen... Pretty good mo there, by the way. Was that yeah. good? Yeah. But thank you very much. Nixon, and at the end of the day, <laughs> the you got it down. The end of the day was that he loves... The, that I think they're approaching this, whether we like it or not, as opposed to what the Cubs had in 2016. Like, okay, Chapman's coming in, for better or worse. That they're going... I think what you just said, it might be like a 1985 kind of thing, sure, a reference for our younger viewers, but it's where it was kind of a committee. Right. And I wonder if that's what the approach is at this point. In other words, they're not necessarily going, okay, Gregerson has won the closer job. Well, I think the other thing, too, and it goes back to what we were talking about before, is that, and I'm not saying these guys, when they come up, they're closers, but what I am saying is that they can give you reinforcements and those young guys have a chance to come up and be impactful. And, mm-hmm. and maybe some of that impact is done in the ninth inning. Yeah. You just don't know. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I don't think at this point you say there's a clear-cut uh, role for those guys, you know, or for Gregerson or for Norris. Let it play out. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny. When you, when you talk to a player, um, they, they don't like, at least in my experience, and I, I guess it's not true with all of them, but in my experience, they don't like to – say, uh, well, my role is this, my defined role is that, or I have to be defined as this. They, they keep it pretty open-ended, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think that's what some of these guys are going to do with spring training. Now, when we get, I think we'll have a better understanding, Tim, we're tape, uh, doing, not taping, but doing this since it's Facebook Live. Facebook Live. In, in three weeks. Yeah. And the games, you start seeing, let's say, uh, major league players playing nine innings. Right, and then you start seeing how he's going to use his bullpen potentially in the first week or two. You do get an idea of how that happens because a lot of times right now, and I mentioned this on the game yesterday, for instance, if you're, let's say, Jason Mott, Luke Gregerson, uh, Bud Norris, Tyler Lyons, whatever, they're coming in and pitching in the second or third inning. The reason that you see that is because the regulars on the other team, major leaguers, are done after five innings, right? So you want them to face the best competition. A great example of that would be Saturday. John Brebbia came in, and it was a major league pitcher with good stuff and was on his game against guys that were minor leaguers. I mean, he was blowing people away. Yeah. So That gap's amazing. That it, it is. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're getting a work in, but you want it against really good competition. Mm-hmm. So the point being, in three weeks, you're going to start seeing some of those guys pitch in the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, and the yeah. ninth. And then yeah. you're going to get a better idea. Okay, this is probably where he's going and what he's thinking about. Very interesting, and I wonder if that will play out if they go with the, the, the committee thing or if somebody will, quote, unquote, win the job. Final question. We were asked about it last time, and I didn't get to it. I'm curious because you've been coming down here. I would imagine you come down here since 98 when the Cardinals first yeah. moved here. I actually, uh, the first time I ever came down here was to, I think it was the first, but I'm pretty sure it was to tape a show with Mark McGuire after he had finished his 98. So maybe I was here the year before. Uh, but, yeah, I remember being down here. Yeah. We weren't doing many games back then, so I came down to do a show on him after he had done the 70 home runs, right, right. and I was kind of doing the rounds. Uh-huh. And uh, and we just didn't do games. Yeah. Yeah. But now we, we do. do. So how many games are you guys going to do? 15. 15? Yeah. yeah. So will you be back on on Thursday when they're back in June? Yeah, so yeah. Back, in thir- back on Thursday, which helps. I was worried because I really love this area of, of Florida. I, I think it's – Fantastic. It's the best. And if you have a chance and you have the means to do it, I would advise anybody, especially 
if you're a baseball fan, um, spring training is really a neat thing because you go in the backfields and see these guys, what we're talking about, and you'll be as close as me and you are uh, right now. But um, anyway, the, the original point of what I was trying to say is that now that we have Washington here and in Houston. Houston, that, you know, now it's not like, okay, my God. That was going to be a problem if they didn't move here. Oh, yeah. I, I it already was a problem. I think what we're talking about, by the way, is geographically how the Cardinals would have to travel so much to have to, to play anybody other than the Marlins and Mets. So it was a big problem. Yeah. So you'd have to go across the state, which, by the way, is incredibly hot right now. And I mean, literally, it's warm. Really? Oh, yeah. It's like That's high 80s, really? early 90s, blistering out over there, which usually it's warm, but not this hot. I think this spring training has been warmer than oh, in spring training. Yeah. Big time. Um, but, you know, you're talking about guys and veterans that don't want to – they got to get their work in, and they don't want to go on a four-hour bus ride right. and four-hour back. And I get it. I mean, we travel throughout the season. You want to really limit that as much as you can. So it was. I mean, I was concerned that if those two teams did not come here, what the Cardinals would do. Because then you're going to – uh, you might have to look to go to Tampa. You might have to look to go to Fort Myers in that area yeah. a bunch. And it's it's great, you know, it's great for our fans that are over there, but you want to be centrally right. located, and, I didn't, and plus I didn't know what I was going to say about for the 15th time about uh, some minor leaguer from the Marlins. <laughs> yeah, God, it is the Marlins. But although they only play, I looked it up, they only played the Marlins seven times this year, which has to be one of the lowest in the last decade. But the question I was going to ask, I do love coming down here. We've yeah. been coming down here since 98, as I said. Um, but for restaurant recommendations, I've never asked you this. Yes. But but people were like, well, I'm coming out with my family. Where do you guys like to go? I'm curious where your plays are because you might have yeah. a couple here that I'm not going to be aware of, and now I'm going to poach. For okay. Me. Uh, Jetties. Jetties is a standard play. The Woods. I did the Woods last weekend. Uh, I did not see uh, Tiger there this time. Rocco's Tacos. Rocco's Tacos, Taco Tuesday. It's pretty big, good. Big. It's I pretty Facebook Live that because Doug Vaughn is anti-guacamole being made at your table. He says it doesn't make a difference, and I, of course, insist it's yes. pressure. You agree. You're pro-guacamole. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. And <laughs> I only do that because Doug's been on me about Deke Dotem. So <laughs> I, had I saw it. you had an exchange this we weekend. We did. Guys, nice. you hope to see the family again. <laughs> I mean, Corey's field is where you run into I, I did tweet at Doug and just said, I, he, I said, I hope to run into Deke's family this year, and uh, they seem to be a very wholesome bunch. <laughs> what is wrong with that guy? <laughs> Which one? Hey, Dotem or Doug? I love Doug. But Dotem, there's definitely some... Uh, <laughs> have you ever met... Have you, met, have you actually met I've Dotem? I've met him. And I think he like the most normal dude? But yeah, when he was... Oh my, he really is. He was literally awesome. is. And he's got, like, the coolest girlfriend. He has a great guy. He's just, like, the greatest guy. I play golf with him and his dad. I find But then he, 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 like, weaves the most vile <laughs> poetry on Twitter. It's unreal. I don't know where it comes from. I'm sorry, but I find it hilarious. Oh, it's the greatest. It's, it's some of the funniest stuff I look at on Twitter. And now, of course, every golf tournament now, ripping off the Howard Stern show with the Baba Bowie thing, some guy texts me and goes, hey, that was me on the seventh pole yelling three go, and I go, perfect. <laughs> Justin Thomas is on a quest to every room of the course, and our show is sabotaging the PGA Tour. Uh, yes, I would agree with the Jetties play. Yes. Uh, I would include leftovers in there. Uh, oh, I love leftovers. Leftovers, yeah. yeah. And this is a random one, and I had gone to it back when I was at Tango V, so it was like 17 years ago, called Reef Grill. It's still been around. Yes. It's there like the freshest seafood. It's in yeah. a strip mall. It's kind of like a place I bet you love. I bet you know him well. Palmano's. 
The best. I mean, it's incredible. I say Palmano's is the best Italian I've ever had. It, I mean, it really is. And it's and in New York, San Francisco, whatever. It, it is. Oh. Yeah, and it's in a strip mall, and I think Creve Corps is the official municipality, I think. Here's my favorite part, though. Palmano's. Paul comes out. Danny, how you doing? How's your family? How you know, blah, blah, blah. It takes, totally takes great care of you. Oh, yeah. The, best. the best food ever. And then his dad comes out. How you doing? <laughs> I love that. He's the nicest man. Yeah, that was a couple Irish guys. We're fascinated by the What are we going to do? Uh, yeah, so those are the recommendations for those of you interested in coming out of spring training. I big time would recommend it. PGA National is where we uh, we offer. I like coming here. Stay. This is nice, isn't it? I do. I, I actually will come here for dinner multiple times. Oh, I love, I love it. it. And it was uh, it was alive this weekend with the golf tournament, so if you're into that, it has five golf courses, too. But uh, the restaurants, there's so many good ones that if you can take the family or friends, a uh, couple, whatever, it's a great time. And, of course, Cardinal Baseball being down here makes it the best. Dan, enjoyed it again, sir. Thank you this so much. It. That's it. The hour did you want to It did. And our, we'll have some questions uh, for, for next week as well. If you missed it and any of it, it'll go up on the podcast on the Tim McKernan Show. It's all presented by Design Air, heating and cooling, designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train. Thank you to Seth Goldcamp and his staff. They have done a great job uh, for our audience and for me and Doug and the Cat. We're all clients, and we can recommend them wholeheartedly to you. Designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. For Dan McLaughlin, I'm Tim McKernan. Thank you for watching another edition of Live from Spring Training here in Jupiter, Florida.